everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth, and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast where once a week I sit down and I talk about all things true crime, such as murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history. And so if you're interested in any of that, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel every Wednesday for the visual version, or head over to Spotify, Apple, wherever you could find podcasts every Tuesday for the audio version. Now for today's case, we're going to be talking about the case of Dylan Redwine. Now there is a lot to get through, so we're just going to hop right into it. Dylan Redwine was born on February 6, 1999 in Colorado to his mom, Elaine, and his father, Mark, as well as his older brothers, Corey, and half-sibling, Brandon. Dylan was described as very quiet and mellow, but he was a typical kid. He loved to play baseball and even played baseball for Little League. He loved to play video games and ride his bike around with his friends, go to the park. He was just your normal, average kid. He didn't really get into too much trouble or hang around with bad crowds. Dylan's dad, Mark, was a trucker and he was gone for a lot of the time. And since he was gone a lot, this took a toll on not just the family, but the parents' marriage as well. And then in 2012, after 18 years of marriage, they divorced. And this divorce was very rough and messy. It took a long time. There was custody battles. And in September of 2012, Dylan was asked by a lawyer who he wanted to live with, his mom or his dad, and he chose his mom. The mom got, for the most part, Part full custody, but Mark was given visitation rights. And Dylan was happy to be living with his mom because during the divorce, he began having a very strained relationship with his dad and didn't really get along with him. A lot of the frustration Mark felt during the divorce, he would often put on Dylan. Dylan, who was 13 years old at the time, hated his father and so did his brother, Corey and Brandon. Brandon actually moved out of the house a couple years back after turning 18 because of Mark and ended up moving states where he got married and had kids. After the divorce, Mark moved out of the house and he lived in Bayfield, Colorado, about six hours outside of where Elaine and the kids had lived. Mark was upset that Dylan chose his mom, but on Thanksgiving, that's when Mark asked Elaine if Dylan could fly out and visit him for Thanksgiving. Although Dylan hated his dad, it was a court-ordered visit, so he was forced to go. And then on November 18th, 2012, Elaine drove Dylan to the airport and Dylan did not want to go. Mark lived in an isolated cabin with nothing to do, so Dylan knew it wasn't going to be fun. He also hated his dad and didn't really like spending time with him or talking to him, so he was just dragging this trip so much. And Dylan was also going by himself because Corey was over the age of 18 and didn't want to go, so since he's an adult, he didn't technically have to go. And then at 6 p.m. on November 18th, Dylan sent a text to his mom saying, quote, I'm on the plane to Durango. The mom said, quote, Oh good, you did so well, son. Proud of you. I love you and thank you for keeping in touch so well. You're a flying pro. And a little while later, she said, quote, you land in Durango, son. And he said, quote, just did. She replied with, quote, oh good, I was worried. You're very late, but glad you're safe and make your dad wait, lol. She then texted him again and said, quote, your dad get you, son. And he replied with yes and a frowny face. And then that's when his mother replied with, quote, I miss you already, but try and have fun. And then later on that night, there was a text message that read, quote, how's it going, son? You okay? And then following that, she said, quote, 
How are you doing, son? I miss you. After these texts were sent, Mark picked up his son Dylan from the airport, and on the way home, the two of them stopped at Walmart to pick up a couple things. After Walmart, they were gonna get dinner at a restaurant, but Dylan wanted McDonald's, so they just went through the drive-thru and went home. The first night Dylan was there, he asked his dad to spend the night at a friend's house because apparently all of his friends were spending the night at this one specific boy's house, and Dylan clearly didn't want to be with his dad, but his dad said no, and so Dylan instead just decided to make friends with his plans at 6.30 a.m. the next day. And the next day, on November 19th, 2012, and I just want to say before explaining that this whole day that I'm about to tell you is all according to Mark. So this is Mark's story of how the day went. Mark said he woke up at 7 and saw Dylan sleeping on the couch. Mark tried to wake him up and take him to his friend's house because clearly they were late, but Dylan didn't want to wake up, so Mark left him there to run some errands. Mark ran his errands and then came back at 11.30 a.m. and realized Dylan was gone. The front door was open, but the TV was on and Nickelodeon was playing and there was an empty bowl of cereal sitting right in front of the TV. He looked around the house, but Dylan was nowhere to be found and his phone, his backpack, and fishing pole were all gone. So Mark just kind of assumed that maybe he went out fishing with some friends and didn't tell him. So that's when Mark decides to take a nap and he wakes up around 1.30 p.m. and realizes Dylan Dylan still isn't home, so he tries calling and texting, but gets no response. Around 2.30 to 3 p.m., he went out to Dylan's friend's house, but none of them had seen or heard from Dylan, and two of the friends had said that they actually had been trying to contact Dylan all day with no response. One of his friend's text messages, at 7 in the morning, this friend, who was supposed to be hanging out with Dylan, texted him, quote, come to Nando's. A little while later, with no response, this friend said, quote, dude, your dad's looking for you. And then another text that said, quote, are you all right, dude? Next text said, quote, dude, you need to call someone ASAP. Everyone is worried about you, bro. Seriously, when you get this message, call someone. And at this point, Mark is scared. And so he goes to the police station and texts Elaine to see if she's heard anything from him. And when Elaine receives these text messages, she's very confused and obviously very scared because Dylan never texted her back the night before. And now Mark is saying that Dylan is nowhere to be found. Around 3 p.m. is when Mark Mark would text Elaine saying, quote, Elaine, I was wondering if you've heard from Dylan. I've been trying to reach him all afternoon. Elaine says, quote, it's really worrying when I'm seven hours away and get a message like this from you. I haven't heard from Dylan today. Where did you leave him or last see him? Mark responds with, quote, I went to town for errands and he was fine. I am just concerned and thought that you may have heard from him. Elaine said, quote, was he at the Vallecito house? I'm concerned as well. Please let me know when you find him. Mark replies with, quote, yes, at the lake and I will. Elaine then responds with, quote, it's weird he would just up and leave. Does he have his phone? Mark replies with, I agree, which is why I'm texting you if you have heard from him. I'm assume he does and why I have sent him texts and called. What I don't know is if he has a charger or if it's charged. Elaine replies with, I am terribly freaked out that he's roaming around in the dark. I think we should call the police. 
And then Mark replies with, I didn't want to freak you out as I'm sure he's fine, but don't think I am not concerned. I just left the Bayfield Marshal's office and now headed back to the house. Elaine replies with, quote, did you get into a fight with him or something? How long has he been missing? He replies with, quote, no, we talked and everything is fine. He's been gone for several hours. Elaine replies with, well, it's not fine if he's missing. Have you heard anything from Dylan? You said you called the Marshal's office, but they have no record of you calling them. I just now called them. Have you heard from him? Mark replies with, no, and I'm extremely concerned at this point. I just left Tristan's house and he has not seen him. Waiting for the sheriff to call back. I'm doing all that I can and I will let you know the moment I hear from him. Elaine says, he wouldn't have just left without calling me. I am so suspect of you right now. How could he just disappear? Mark says, it's just like you to blame me. Right now, the best thing is finding him. I just spoke with the deputy. His fishing pole is missing and the deputy is on his way up. He asked that I search the property, which I will do now. I know this is difficult, but we gotta believe he is okay. Elaine responds with, when was the last time you talked to him? And Mark replies with, this morning. Elaine says, quote, are you looking for him? What are you doing to find him? You seem so nonchalant that our child is missing. You talked to him on his cell this morning or when you left the house. Did you talk to him at all today on his cell phone? And after those text messages were sent, Mark just completely went silent. He stopped responding to Elaine's text messages, all of her very concerning text messages. After this interaction, it's very obvious that there is something off with Mark especially with the way that Mark is responding to all of this. I mean, his kid is missing. He's being so nonchalant about it. He also was caught in a lie about how he called the marshal's office, but when Elaine called, they said that they had no record of him calling. So he was literally caught in a lie, but then after that, just completely dodged that fact and didn't bring any more attention to it. That's when Elaine and Corey got in the car and drove down to Durango to help find Dylan. They arrived late at night and went straight to the police station and searched for Dylan from 1 to 2 a.m. around Mark's house. But the weird thing, though, is that Mark wasn't looking with them. He was actually sitting inside of his house with all the lights turned off like he was just sleeping. His wife and child is outside trying to find his other child, yet he's just inside peacefully sleeping as if nothing is going on. Now, there are a couple facts that we do know about this. We do know that Mark picked up Dylan from the airport because there's security footage of Dylan and Mark there. They also have footage at Walmart of both Mark and Dylan, but what happened after they left Walmart is completely in the dark. Police look more into Mark since he was the last person to see Dylan, and they confirm that Mark, from 7.30 to 11.30, he really was going around and running errands. He went to his work's payroll office, and then he went to his divorce attorney's office, and then he mailed a child support check to Elaine. Mark thinks Dylan either went to a lake nearby the home or he walked to a friend's house that was nine and a half miles away, which is outrageous because what 13-year-old kid is going to walk nine and a half miles just to go to their friend's house? At the time, it was November, so it was freezing cold in Colorado. Mark lived near the San Juan Mountains and Forest, so searching for Dylan was going to be difficult. They searched for hours with canines, helicopters, drones, and one of the dogs actually picked up a scent 
tent in front of Mark's house, but for some reason, they didn't have anything of Dylan's to match Dylan's scent, so this was never confirmed, but other than that, they ended up really finding nothing. Days went by of searching and still no sign. Thanksgiving went and still no sign. And the family decided to start their own search team in trying to find Dylan and did press conferences, posters, fundraisers, and made Facebook pages with a $50,500 reward for anyone with any information. Elaine was extremely suspicious of Mark. She said that in the text, Mark kept contradicting himself and staying away from the case as much as possible. Through all of these press conferences and fundraisers, Mark was never there. He never participated. He didn't even really talk to the family during all of this. And Elaine was extremely suspicious of Mark because of this. And she also noticed that he was caught in multiple lies, such as the lie earlier about him calling the sheriff's office. But another detail was that Mark said that when he walked in the morning of November 19th and he saw the TV was playing, he said that it was playing Nickelodeon. But Elaine says that Dylan hasn't watched Nickelodeon in a long, long time and he was now more into MTV because he just outgrew Nickelodeon. And Elaine thought that it was really messed up that Mark didn't even know his own son well enough to make up a good lie. So then the weekend after Thanksgiving, during a search, canine dogs had picked up a scent in the Vallecito Lake and sent out divers and boats, but unfortunately, nothing was found. On day nine of the search, police knew that this wasn't just a runaway situation and they were unfortunately looking for a body. Dylan's half-brother Brandon was in his mid-20s with a wife and kid, but when he found out about the disappearance of Dylan, he immediately drove out to help. Elaine then got onto a press conference where she openly said to the public that she was very suspicious of Mark. She says that it's weird that Mark won't help, that he won't talk to them, why he won't offer the police any information. His story is definitely more important because he was the last person to see Dylan. He was also taking care of Dylan at the time. But when the police got a warrant to search Mark's home, they did indeed find a few drops of blood to which Mark said that that blood was actually from a year ago when Dylan cut his finger while staying there. The police also took out a big chunk of the area rug that had a stain and Mark was brought into an interrogation and when the police said, you know, we're not accusing you, this is just protocol to get more information, we just want to help you find your son, like we know you're going through a tough time, but Mark completely flipped out. He told the police that you are accusing me, I can't believe this, you're pointing all this stuff at me that I didn't even do, I don't know where my son is, I so stop thinking that I do, just basically blew up. And after this, the police got even more suspicious. So they decided to give polygraph tests to everyone. And while Elaine passed with flying colors, Mark failed terribly. And in February of 2013, canine dogs were brought around Mark's house because they were still suspicious of Mark, but once again, found nothing. After this, the family actually went on Dr. Phil to help talk about Dylan's case. The whole thing is about two hours long, but most of it is just Elaine and Mark arguing the entire time because Elaine believed that Mark had something to do with the disappearance of Dylan, but Mark claimed innocence. Their son, Corey, was even brought onto the show to say that he hated his dad. He didn't even call his dad dad. He actually called him Mark. And Corey would go on to say that all of his kids hated Mark because Mark was abusive, terrible, and he believes Mark killed Dylan. And when Dr. Phil asked Mark why he wasn't involved in fun, fundraisers or search efforts, he completely ignores the question.
question and says that he had nothing to do with it and just acted completely clueless. And as you could see, there's kind of a pattern that whenever Mark is called out for something, he completely ignores it and tries to, you know, just glide over it. And then that's when Dr. Phil says, okay, if you're telling the truth, then let's do a polygraph test right here, right now, and with a live studio audience. And at first, Mark was completely down with this, but once the polygraph examiner came out, the examiner ended up being a highly trained examiner who's worked in polygraph for several years and has caught many, many criminals. After this, Mark weirdly didn't want to take the test anymore, and this leads to a pretty big screaming fight between Dr. Phil and Mark, which ends up with Mark leaving and he is booed on his way out. Mark all of the sudden said that the polygraph was stupid and it was a waste of time and they were just trying to blame him and even if he did tell the truth, they'd probably say that he didn't because they're setting him up. And after Mark had left, even the polygraph examiner had said that out of all of their years of doing this, they've never met a parent who is desperately looking for their child refuse a polygraph test. Hi everyone, don't worry, it's still me thanking the sponsor of today's episode, Factor. With the holiday season coming up, it is about to be the busiest time of the year. You're buying Christmas presents for people, you're traveling, you're hanging up your Christmas decorations, you're buying Christmas decorations, you have Thanksgiving, you have Black Friday. There is just so much going on in the months of December and November and sometimes personally I get a little too busy where some days it'll be like 4 p.m. and I'm like why am I feeling so groggy and tired right now and then I remember the only thing that I've had today was a venti Starbucks coffee at 9 a.m. and a couple of Pringles and so with this bustling holiday season you might be looking for nutritious flavorful meals to fuel your jam-packed days and thanks to Factor who is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. You can skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered straight to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays and choose from the 30 plus chef crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preference whether it's calorie smart vegan veggie protein plus or more wholesome options try delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals that are around that are around or less than 550 calories per serving that taste absolutely delicious. Or if you want to support your wellness goals and feel a little boost during the holidays, you can try their Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And Factor isn't just for dinner. Count on extra convenience any time of the day with their assortment of 55 plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes and offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head over to factormeals.com behind50 and use code behind50 to get 50% off. That's code behind50 at factormeals.com behind50 to get 50% off. Thank you to Factor for sponsoring today's video. Now back to your video. And honestly, the Dr. Phil show really brought a lot of 
attention to this case, especially because of the big fight that broke out. So with all of this new attention towards the case, in June of 2013, they decided to conduct a search around the Lake Vallecito Reservoir area where a scent was actually picked up. On June 25th of 2013, they started a five-day search and searched over 10 miles that was leading to the street where Mark lived on. At first, they didn't really find anything, but later that night, the police department revealed that they may have evidence that could be connected to Dylan's case. In the woods, they would end up finding human bones of all different sizes, scraps of a white socks t-shirt that was confirmed to be Dylan's t-shirt, earbuds that was confirmed to be Dylan's, as well as a sock and a shoe, and a four-inch strand of blonde hair, all confirmed to be Dylan's. The search continued for another five days, and they spent over 16,000 hours searching for clues. On June 27th of 2013, two days later, that is when the police would unfortunately reveal to the family that they found a black garbage bag in the woods, and after evaluation, it's confirmed to be Dylan's remains. Most of what was in the black garbage bag was all bones, and these partial remains were found close to Mark's home, only about eight miles away. But other items like Dylan's phone and backpack were never found, even to this day. When Mark was told about the remains, he said that he was shocked and devastated because he hoped to bring Dylan home, but the police had a different story about his reaction to this. The police said that when Mark was given this information that his son was officially dead, he showed little to no emotion. It kind of seemed like he was faking emotion. The following weekend, they held a candle vigil and balloon release to which Mark did not attend either of them. Medical examiners couldn't tell if this was a wildlife attack or a homicide, nor his cause of death because of the lack of detail. And then in spring of 2014, in the middle of the night around 2 a.m., Mark calls a reporter to tell him that he was going to the hospital currently because he felt like he was going crazy after being stalked by reporters, haters, police, and said that Elaine drove past his house that day and screamed murderer out the window. The news outlet tried to figure out why Mark even called them in the first place because that's kind of odd. It kind of seemed like Mark wanted the attention on him again. At this time, Elaine was granted a restraining order against Mark and said that over the 18 years of marriage, she'd actually seen Mark become violent a couple times and feared for not only her safety, but the safety of her two other sons, Corey and Brandon. In August of 2015, nearly a year later, Mark was officially identified as a person of interest while clearing Elaine and Corey as well as Elaine's boyfriend. Mark had tons of inconsistencies in his story and just had very odd behavior towards the discovery of his own son's remains. And then on November 1st of 2015, more remains were found. A biker was riding a path before coming across a human skull that was confirmed to be Dylan's skull. The skull was found in Middle Mountain Road near Mark's Street. They did an autopsy on the skull and found a fracture above the left eye and blunt force trauma to the head. So this was definitely not an animal. This was a human. And now Mark's old story of how Dylan must have wandered off and got killed by an animal, he was saying that he now believed that Dylan was kidnapped and murdered. A complete 180 of a story. So interrogators said that no, like this 100% could not be true. There's no way he would be kidnapped and murdered. So Mark tried to go a different angle and he tried to say that Dylan ran away and was shot by a hunter in the woods. And Mark even went as far as going out to the woods where his son 
Jim's remains were found and made a video just to demonstrate how this could have happened and furthermore posted that video onto Facebook. And everyone, including Elaine and the family, saw this as kind of weird that Mark is preaching all of these other theories when they know what happened. It seems like he's the only one acting clueless and making up theories. They know that he wasn't shot because a gunshot would have a gunshot wound in the skull, not just blunt force trauma. It seemed like Mark was once again ignoring all of the things that made him look bad and just glossing right over it. And then Elaine, after two years of fighting for justice for her son, is fed up. Her son is now dead and was found in the worst way possible. And she now has to wake up every morning without her son and has to go out for hours every day setting up fundraisers and searches and press conferences, all while Mark just sits in his house, not talking to anyone and not helping out. And so then that's when Elaine decides to start a rally right in front of Mark's house, yelling at him to come forward to the police because it's very obvious that he knows something that he's not telling anyone. And then in summer of 2017, after five long years of trying to fight for justice for Dylan, investigators say that they have enough evidence to officially arrest Mark. Mark had actually moved to Washington due to all of the rallying outside of his house and was arrested at his trucking job. He was booked into the county jail at 1 a.m. and was held on a $1 million cash bond. Mark flew to Colorado and was charged with second-degree murder and child abuse resulting in death. On August 15, 2017, he pled not guilty to all charges. And Elaine wasn't surprised that he pled not guilty because she said Mark is the kind of person that never takes responsibility for any of the wrong that he does, no matter how much evidence is presented to him. The trial was never actually put and set a date until 2021 because it was rescheduled 10 times. There was also a delay in Mark's search for a new defense lawyer because his last defense lawyer was actually arrested for domestic violence. So in searching for another defense lawyer, he finally got a new one, but then 2020 came around and it also came with COVID and a lot of cases during this time was being postponed. Everybody was just trying to figure out what COVID was and how they would be able to have trials in a safe and precautionary way. And ironically, Mark's lawyer even got COVID himself. So that had to push off their trial even more. But in 2021, that's when the trial officially had began. And this is when all of the dark and disturbing details of the case would be revealed. Prosecutors believe that Mark had killed Dylan on the living room floor and dismembered his body. And after that, he put the body in the back of his truck where he spread the parts across the woods. They believed it was done with a knife and found traces of blood all over the living room with a black light. They found blood on the floor, underneath an area rug, on the couch, and on the coffee table. Canine dogs even picked up scents of human remains in the back of Mark's truck, on Mark's clothes, and all over the living room. So it was pretty obvious at this point that Mark had killed Dylan, but why did he kill Dylan? What was the motive for doing this in the first place? 
And the reason of this is just so dark and disturbing. Corey had actually went up to the stand and said his testimony, and he said that a year before Dylan went missing, Mark took both Dylan and Corey on a road trip. During the road trip, they were watching videos and movies on Mark's laptop before stumbling across some really concerning photos in the photo gallery. They immediately waited until they got home to look at the photos, and when they did, they ran in the back bathroom locked the door to take a closer look at these photos. They took photos of these photos on their phone and these photos would reveal Mark wearing makeup, specifically red lipstick, red blush, and eyeshadow, and he was wearing a red bra with a blue lace top and was wearing an adult diaper full of his own feces. The next photos would show Mark then eating and licking the human feces from the diaper as well as hanging it from his mouth. Both of the boys were obviously traumatized. They were disgusted, they were shocked, and they knew that this was a secret they could not tell anyone. But these very concerning photos traumatized Dylan. It made him feel very uncomfortable around his father, knowing that his father had done this, and Dylan truly just wanted an explanation. I mean, he's just 13 years old, like his life has barely just begun, so something like this is going to scare him. And then on November 18th, 2012, when Dylan spent the night at his father's house for Thanksgiving, it was believed that Dylan had confronted his dad about the photos and said that him and Corey on the road trip had saw the photos and it's just something burned in his brain that he cannot forget and he just wants to know why his dad did it. When Mark found out that him and Corey saw the photos, he was furious. He was angry. He was screaming at him, telling him to not go through his personal stuff and to not show anyone. And this violent rage is actually what led Mark to then hit Dylan over the head, to which Dylan fell down on the floor, which would explain the fracture in his left eyebrow, and then began to dismember the body in the living room, which would explain all of the traces of blood. Corey said that Mark did have mental health issues and rage problems, but Mark definitely knew what he was doing at the time of the crime. But what did Mark have to say about all of this? Because, you know, Mark has a history of just not taking responsibility responsibility for anything, Mark actually said that those pictures were not him. Even though the pictures literally front and center, it is his face. Like you could see he's wearing makeup. You could see he's wearing women's clothes. You know who it is, but he tries to say that's not him. He actually says that Elaine is the one who probably photoshopped his face on the photos just to blame him. But why in the world would Elaine do this? It makes no sense. And also this is police evidence. Police know whether or not a photo is photoshopped. They could even look into the photo and tell you what time, what camera, and where that photo was taken. And as far as the skull and bones being found near his home, he says that the real murderer went out into the woods near his home and planted the skull and bones just to make him look more guilty. When Elaine went up to testify, she agreed with Corey in that Mark is responsible for killing 
killing Dylan and that's just what she believes. Mark's ex-wife, the wife that he had Brandon with, actually came and testified and she said that she was married to Mark for six years and it was terrible. Their six years was very similar to him and Elaine's marriage. It was filled with fighting, violence, and abuse and during their divorce, she remembers Mark threatened to kill Brandon and it scared her. So when she heard about Dylan, she already knew that Mark had something to do with it. She says that about 30 years ago, because Mark and her had known each other for a long time, the two of them went on a camping trip and as they were walking around, Mark had made a sly comment of like, oh, this is a great place to hide a body because they were up in the mountains where it was steep and it was very vast. And at the time, she simply just laughed it off. But when she heard about Dylan, she got a very deep pit in her stomach. Brandon also took to the stand to say that one night during the search, everyone, including Mark, had a meeting to plan out and schedule the following day. And Brandon had confronted Mark at this meeting, saying that he seems so nonchalant, like he doesn't care, and he's also not doing anything to help. Mark wasn't anxious or wanting to be included or offer ideas or plans. He just sat quiet and seemed a little bothered whenever someone tried to talk to him. Brandon also said Mark never cried or showed emotion throughout this entire thing. Brandon also said that the remains, not the skull, at this point the skull wasn't found yet, but when the remains like the shirt and earbuds, when all of that was found, Mark kept on saying that maybe Dylan was kidnapped and killed with blunt force trauma to the head. And this was really odd because no one had the theory of him being kidnapped. Nothing suggested a kidnapping. And also blunt force trauma to the head is a very specific way to go. Elaine's new husband Mike actually testified and said that one morning in April of 2013 he saw Mark speeding down Middle Mountain Road, the same road where Dylan's skull was found. And this was extremely suspicious so Mike decided to set up cameras along the road to see if Mark would return but unfortunately he never did. Now what was Mark's defense team saying about all of this? Because with everything that I just told you it's clear that Mark did something. Dylan's body was found in the backyard of his house and Dylan's blood was found all over the living room. But Mark's defense team tried to basically throw away every piece of evidence that was presented. They said that the canine evidence was quote junk science and the pictures of Mark have nothing to do with the case and they only showed those photos to make Mark look bad. They also tried to argue that Elaine had started up rumors against Mark which turned everyone against him and Elaine testimony should be just thrown out the window because of that. And they said that the blunt force trauma to the head could have been done by the tooth of a bear or a mountain lion. And from the start, they believed the police had been biased and lazy. They mentioned that while the medical team was handling Dylan's skull, one of the examiners had actually broken off a piece. And surprisingly, this is actually pretty common when medical examiners are dealing with very, very delicate bones, especially bones that have sat through in the woods through winter and spring and rain, of course, it's going to be very dry and brittle. And so it's very common for bones to sort of break apart during the examination process. It's not good, like it shouldn't happen, but just sometimes it does on accident. Even said that a scientist on the case gave expert witnesses copies of police reports before the trial to influence their testimony.
testimonies. It was wildly known that Dylan didn't want to be with his dad, so they just suspected that Dylan had run away and gotten eaten by an animal. But this would literally make no sense as to how he got eaten by an animal because as I said, his bones and his skull were completely intact. An animal is not just going to cleanly eat around the bones. Like they're going to leave a lot more excess there. You would see bite marks in the bones, but these were completely clean bones. The jury took six hours to come to a verdict, but eventually Mark was found guilty for second degree murder and child abuse resulting in death. And Mark once read his verdict, stood there emotionless and with a blank stare. And then on October 11th, Mark Redwine was sentenced to 48 years in prison. And although it's not life in prison, he at the time was 59 years old, so it's most likely he will die in prison. As far as the aftermath of all of this, there are some people out there who believe Mark is innocent for some reason. A lot of people believe that Elaine was trying to set him up, that the police were trying to set him up, and if these rumors of him being a suspect never started, then maybe Mark would feel more confident to go out there and aid in searches and fundraisers because every time he did attend to something, he was getting like mocked by people, deservingly so. When they said that the photos have no significance, I think the photos actually have intense significance. Those type of photos are not the type of photos that you want leaked out. Those are kind of embarrassing photos, very vulgar and disgusting photos, not something that you want everyone to see. And especially coming from an old white trucker guy living in Colorado, photos like these, if they were to get out, would make him look bad and he would feel embarrassed if he was caught. Mark also had a long history of violence and Dylan hated his dad. And I believe that Mark was probably just afraid of Dylan going home and telling his mom or going home and telling his friends. And I think it's so messed up how Mark had done this because he didn't want these photos to come out. And then these photos just ended up coming out anyways. But yeah, that is the end of today's case. If you guys found this case interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on Spotify, Apple, wherever you could find podcasts, make sure to rate it five stars because that helps me out a lot. And yeah, that is all from me. And as always, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I will see you guys next week.